Welcome to Black Fashion History, the podcast that celebrates the contributions of Black people to the fashion industry. It's Black history, but make it fashion. And I'm your host, Taniqua Martin. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. I hope you had a really great week. And if not, hopefully this episode will make it a little bit better. First things first, let's get into our Black fashion spotlight for this episode. I'm going to ask a question that nobody's going to answer because this is a podcast and you guys don't hear this until after I'm done recording. But how many of you are familiar with the name Beth Ann Hardison? Well, Beth Ann Hardison is a Black fashion model who paved the way for many of the models that you all know today. She is also one of the models who walked the runway during the famous Battle of Versailles, and her career spans many, many decades. She is also the mother of Kadeem Hardison, who is most notably known as Dwayne Wayne from A Different World. She has a documentary that came out September 15th, and it's called Invisible Beauty. I have not seen it yet, but the trailer looks spectacular and it is all about her journey as a pioneering black model in the fashion industry, her journey as a modeling agent, as well as her journey as an activist and what it's like to fight for racial diversity in fashion and among other places. So I'm really excited to see it. Bethann Hardison is someone who is on my wish list of guests for this podcast. So I'm loving that she is able to tell her own story and I can't wait to hear and dig into the pieces of her life that aren't so well known. The documentary is playing in a few select theaters around the country. So if you're in New York, Georgia, Utah, California, North Carolina, New Orleans, Texas, New Jersey, and Delaware in Nebraska. There are theaters in all of those places that are showing the film. It's called Invisible Beauty once again. And if you want to know more about it or just interested in seeing it, follow Invisible Beauty Film on Instagram. And when I watch it, I plan to come back and do like a whole recap episode on it. But it's always great to celebrate the Black fashion legends when they have something going on because that's how we tell the industry that we care about these stories and more of these types of stories get to be produced. So shout out to Beth Ann Hardison for this Invisible Beauty documentary and I hope you all see it. So that was it for our spotlight for today. And now I'm moving into the topic of this episode. And I feel like this, at least the latter half of this month, has been all about the models, like the Black fashion models. I talked about Beth Ann Hardison, Danielle Luna, and today is going to be no different. We are going to be talking about Black model Dorothea Church. But before we get into Dorothea, let's get into our Black fashion term for this episode, and that term is fashion house. And once we get into Dorothea's story, you'll understand why I connected her with the term fashion house. So at its most basic level and definition, fashion house is just a company that's employed in fashion design, but how it's used in the luxury fashion industry and how you've most likely heard it as it relates to brands like Chanel, Dior, Louis Vuitton, Lagerfeld, McQueen, stuff like that is a fashion company that specializes in designer garments or couture garments. It's a term used to speak about elevated designs, luxury designs, and it's a way to elevate the company. And Dorothea Tao's church was employed by many fashion houses, luxury designers, so she knew this term very, very well. And now let's get into it. Model Dorothea Towles Church is believed to be the first woman of color to model for major European fashion houses. 
So she walked on runways for designers like Christian Dior, Pierre Balmain, Scaparelli, and many, many more. Dorothea Church was born July 26, 1922, which, side note, completely unrelated to this episode with July 26 is Liberian Independence Day. Anyway, Dorothea Church was born in Texarkana, Texas, and she was the seventh of eight children. Her mother, Annabelle Clark, was a school teacher, and her father, Thomas Ellsworth Towels, worked as a farmer and a self-employed carpenter. She graduated from Wiley College in Marshall, Texas in 1945 as a biology major with all intentions of being a doctor. However, when her mother died, she accepted an offer from her uncle who lived in California to come out and finish school there. And so she purchased a train ticket, headed to L.A. and ended up attending the University of Southern California, where she earned her master's degree in education. However, she was wooed by the fanciful nature of L.A. and decided that she wanted to change courses and become a model. She enrolled in Dorothy Ferrier Charm and Modeling School, where she became the first Black student there. And then she worked around California and modeled for various Black fashion shows and magazines before she married a dentist, whom she describes as old enough to be her father. In 1949, she accompanied her sister Lois, who happened to be a very talented concert pianist, to Paris and decided to never look back. This actually was very common for Black models and creatives during that day. Many of them ran to Europe because the opportunities were greater and they didn't feel as much racial pressures as they did in the United States. Dorothea Towles Church stated in an interview that when I got there, I said there are too many opportunities. I am not going back. So she divorced her husband and stayed in Paris to begin a very successful career as a high fashion model. The first designer to hire her was Christian Dior, and it's said that he hired her on the spot to step in for one of his vacationing models. When the Dior model returned from vacation, Dorothea Church went to Elsa Scaparelli to begin modeling for her, and it was up ever since. Dorothea Church modeled in Paris for five years during the 1950s. And her success was wildly chronicled in the U.S. by many Black publications, including Jet Magazine and Sepia Magazine, which is in the Johnson Family Publishing House. It was such an amazing feat because even though at the time many Black creatives and models were moving to Paris and other parts of Europe to find careers, she was still one of the first to be able to be seen on such a large scale in the luxury fashion industry. So people in the U.S. were looking at her as a barrier breaker because she was, and many Black outlets were covering that. And then the Black creatives that moved on to Europe were looking at her as she paved the way for them as well. During her years in Paris, of course, she garnered an enormous amount of designer gowns and clothing with many styles that were not seen in the United States. And the value of this wardrobe is estimated to be at $50,000. So $50,000 back then is about, um, let me do some quick maths, $50,000 in the 1950s would be over $600,000 right now with inflation. So that was an extensive and very expensive wardrobe. In 1954, she returned to the United States with the intention of making a career here. 
And her wardrobe was so extensive that she had to travel by ship in order to carry all of the baggage. When she moved back is also when she met her second husband, Thomas Church, and they had one son together. As I mentioned, she had a very successful career in Europe, and when she came to the United States, she intended to replicate that same success, but was not able to find anything here and was turned down by many photographers and magazines. She said in an interview, when I came back, I figured the world was my oyster. But when I said I was a model, people looked at me like I had two heads. Unless I had the photos to prove it, they never would have believed me. Obviously, racism in the United States was a huge hurdle for her in 1954 and beyond when she came back to work. There was even an instance where she had modeled for Balmain before in Paris and she had asked to borrow a gown to be featured in Ebony magazine. Balmain turned them down, concerned that it would hurt the sales of the brand in the United States to their white customers if it was going to be featured on Black women in a Black magazine. So instead, Dorothea Church went back and told them that she wanted to wear the dresses to a party. So they sent it to her for that reason. And then later had the photographs published of her in the dress in Ebony magazine. Eventually, while she was in New York, Dorothea Church signed with Grace Del Marco Modeling Agency. And she was thought to be the only black model that made her entire income in modeling as a profession at the time. She also ended up working as a fashion commentator for the radio station WOV. Being a college-educated Black woman and one who's traveled the world, Dorothea Church was very well-versed in the high-society Black communities. As part of her work as a model and to overcome the racism and racial barriers that she was facing as she was trying to get jobs in the industry, she started a touring fashion show using her complete couture collection that came from Europe. For her show, she would hire local college students and high school students and teach them the basic skills of the industry, hair, makeup, walking. And she would use the shows to raise money for her sorority scholarship funds. And this just goes back to what I was saying in a previous episode about the impact of fashion shows in the Black community. Many Black women used fashion shows as their way to contribute to social justice, whether that be raising money for higher education in their community, raising money for the civil rights movement, raising money for sororities. I was going to say sororities and fraternities, but usually the sororities that they are a part of was a way to give back so that these organizations could continue their work in scholarship, in social justice, and whatever else they were doing to better the Black community. Fashion has always been seen as a quote-unquote woman thing or like a womanly duty, a girly thing, and as if you're sitting around and doing nothing. But examples like Dorothea Church, and we talked about Eunice Johnson and Ebony Fashion Fair, even down to your grandma at the local church and how all of these women use fashion and beauty as a way to create change and uplift their community. And I wouldn't call that sitting around doing nothing. And I certainly wouldn't look at that as less than. I mean, many people may not be aware, but a portion of the civil rights movement was funded by fashion shows. Uh, you should really check out Dr. Tanisha's Ford new book about Molly Moon. It will give you a little bit more information and a glimpse of 
her work and how she used fashion shows and socialite events to fund the civil rights movement. Now going back to Dorothea Towles Church, in the 60s and 70s, while doing her fashion shows and trying to find work in the United States, she would regularly go back to Europe and model um, in different countries. And she also opened a charm school for teenage girls. Her main goal with the charm school and all that she was doing with her fashion show was really to inspire Black women. She said in an interview that, I feel I had a great influence on American Black women dressing differently and feeling good about themselves. I felt like I was responsible for breaking down barriers, but I had to show African-American girls that they could do it. In 2000, Dorothea Towles Church began writing her memoir with the working title, I Did It With My Body. So obviously it was going to be about her career as a model and I'm sure also about her work in the community and probably spill a little tea too. But unfortunately, her memoir was never finished as Miss Church passed away in July of 2006 at the age of 83. While many people may not be familiar with her life and work, it is clear by what I've shared here that she has had an immense impact on the luxury fashion industry and on the image of Black women around the world. And that's it, guys. Make sure you check the show notes for a direct link to all of the resources that I use for today's episode, as well as the link to Bishmi Marty's fashion show and a couple of interviews that I was able to find of Rosemary E. Miller online. If you love today's episode or any episode, make sure to give us a five-star review on Apple. It takes you all of two seconds, but it really, really counts towards helping this show reach more people um, and more Black fashion enthusiasts like you. And if you haven't done so already, follow us on all social media at Black Fashion History Podcast so you can keep up with all things Black fashion history. And the most important thing, if you do nothing else, come back next week and join me for another riveting installment of Black Fashion History. Bye-bye.